Welcome back to the Confident Teen Podcast. It has been my deepest intention over the past four years on my own journey to provide value and to help support other souls, especially teens. I am a mama of two, a wife, a certified teacher, and a holistic health coach. I believe in the power of sharing our stories and our lessons to help support others. I also believe confidence is deeply rooted within us all. We have just forgotten how to access it. My hope is that you know, adult or teen, that you are worthy, you are capable, and your potential is limitless. I am so grateful to have you here. Hey, welcome back to the podcast. I am so grateful to have you here with me to listen to another episode. So today's guest is Joanna Conrad, and she is the executive director of Youth Diversion, a college instructor, a public speaker, advocate, traveler, fitness enthusiast, and most importantly, a wife and mother. I am so excited for you, the listeners, to listen to this episode today. And if anything that Joanna shared um, or shares resonates with you, I highly encourage that you reach out to her. She has already expressed that she is open to, you know, continuing the conversation because she really is passionate about educating parents and teens, um, you know, about the work that she does. So in this conversation, we really dive into that, um, who she is and, you know, what brought her to do the work that she does. And she's going to share all about that in this episode. But just quickly, I wanted to share what confidence means to Joanna because I really, really love um, what she wrote. So confidence is feeling secure in one's abilities. To do that, you have to know yourself and that takes time, which is why I think many people become more confident as they age. With that said, everyone, regardless of age, can grow their confidence by striving for self-betterment using experiences as learning opportunities, whether the outcome is in our favor or not. Not being afraid to take risks and failing with grace and humility. And I just absolutely love that. And this is why I cannot wait for you to listen to my conversation with Joanna. Hey, so really quickly before we dive into the episode, my name is Christy Simons and I am the host of this podcast. Additionally, I am also a mama of two, a wife, a certified teacher, and a teen life and confidence coach, also an author and energy healer. So over the past year, I have been a support for families, um, especially teens, who are really looking for a way to learn how to effectively move through the challenges that you know come in and out of our lives in a way that makes them feel empowered and confident. And yes, I have seen and I know from personal experience that this is possible. So to learn more about my Confident Teen program and the Mindful Mountain Cycle, a signature framework that I created that comes from pure passion and love for the work that I do, all you have to do is head on over to my website. So that's christysimonscoaching.com to book your complimentary connection call. All right. Welcome back to the podcast. It's another beautiful day for a meaningful conversation with a guest that I am so very excited for you all to meet. And I'm just so excited to dive into this conversation. So I'm actually going to let her tell you a little bit more about yourself. So Joanna, welcome to the Confident Teen Podcast. I'm so grateful to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be a part of it. So um, yeah, a little bit about you. So a little bit about me. Uh, well, so my name is Joanna Conrad and professionally speaking, I'm most oftentimes known as the executive director of Youth Diversion. I've been in that role since 2011. Uh, and I think that uh, my identity goes part and parcel with Youth Diversion. I feel like, you know, I am Youth Diversion and Youth Diversion in many ways is me. Uh, but I'm also an instructor at the college and I've been doing that for just as long, probably as I've been um, at Youth Diversion. So I've been there for many years teaching the criminal justice program, uh, a number of different pro uh, a number of different subjects rather. Uh, but I'm also a wife and a mother. I've been married for, you know, I, I say, I'm like, oh my gosh, how many years now? But we've been married since 2012 because math is not my strong suit. Um, but uh, we've been together for 15 years and we have three beautiful children. And, you know, out of all the things that we've 
accomplished, I guess, you know, when it comes to looking at what makes me the most happy is being a mother and being a mother and becoming a mother throughout my professional career has also influenced the way in which I look at youth diversion, but also the way in which we direct the work that we're doing, especially right now more than ever before. So oftentimes I start off many talks that I do by saying that I come at this from a perspective of, um, you know, professionalism, but I also come at this from my own personal perspective as a mother, as a woman, uh, but also, you know, really looking at it as uh, someone who is in it just as much as everybody else's, but maybe with a little bit more information because of the things that I'm exposed to professionally. Oh my goodness. I love that so much. Actually, when you were saying that, I too firmly believe that, you know, just in sharing, you know, our services, our gifts, um, whatever you want to call it, it makes it so much more relatable for people when, you know, you add your story in there. I too feel like, you know, through my work, sharing my story um, as a teen and, you know, some of the challenges that I faced, it really helps um, the clients that I work with really to, you know, connect with me. And I feel too that people do connect with you, especially because of your story. So I, I just appreciate you. And I'm so excited to dive in, um, especially when you talk about your work, which I want to get to, because when you talk about like youth divergence and all that, um, that is something that's some language that I feel like is kind of new to me right now. Um, so I'm, I'm really excited for you to dive into that. But first, I just wanted to ask you, because I ask all of my guests this, um, if you could speak to your teen self, what would she need to hear? You know, this question made me stop and think because oftentimes I reflect about who I was as a kid um, and also as a teenager and then how that led me to where I am today. And I'm a person who does not believe in living with regrets. You know, I think that things happen for a reason. I, I am a firm believer of that. Um, but I also think that we're responsible for the things that happen a lot of the times. Sometimes not. But again, sometimes we channel the energy and, and these things happen because they happen. Uh, so with that being said, you know, uh, when I was a kid, um, you know, kind of, I guess, going back to when I was a child, a lot of people oftentimes look at me and I know that they look at me in a way where perhaps they may see me in a certain way or in a certain light because of how I present. And I'm a hundred percent aware of that, right? I know what I put out there in terms of the look, right? And I get that that can bring its challenges, but it also has its positives. And, and I can speak to that a little bit, but the reason why I bring that up is because most people, when they first meet me, never know where I've been, what I've been through, uh, and how all of that has impacted who I am today. And I think that it's really easy for us to judge people. And of course, I do the same. I mean, we all judge one another on a daily basis. And, you know, I think we're naive if we, we pretend we don't. But my point is that when people judge me, they don't understand that behind, you know, uh, the blonde hair, the blue eyes, maybe the bubbly personality, um, you know, there's a lot more to it than just that. And when they get to know me, um, oftentimes people are very surprised. And so I share that because, uh, you know, when I speak about things, I speak to a number of different topics and I speak to them from personal experience. And that experience comes as being an immigrant. I wasn't born in Canada. I came here as a child from Poland. Um, you know, we escaped a communist country. And so there was a lot that I had to go through as a child that, you know, I don't think that I started to unwrap until I was an adult. And even perhaps to this day, I'm I'm just unwrapping. Uh, you know, we escaped and I, I didn't see my father for a number of years because he had to escape to be a refugee in Italy before he brought us over to Canada. So of course, all of those things would have impacted me as a child. Uh, but even coming to to the country and having to learn the language and having to make friends, but also living, um, you know, I would say a very humble life in the sense that my parents didn't have a lot of money. We didn't have very much growing up. They did the best that they could. Uh, but, you know, I can always look back to my Christmases and pretty much pinpoint the gifts that I received each Christmas because it was usually one big thing or, you know, if, if we want to say it was a big thing, but it was like one thing and it was like, oh my God, this is the thing that I got, you know? Um, but in addition to that, my parents 
also, so I come from a broken home because at some point my parents did divorce. Uh, so had to go through all of that. I've also worked uh, since I was 11, since it was before it was even legal, uh, you know, and I've always maintained two or three jobs. That's just it, I, because I had to, not necessarily because I wanted to, but because I had to. Uh, you know, I've moved 26 times. So to put that into retrospect, I guess, uh, I'm 40 years old. And that's a lot of moves, right? When you look at how many times you've moved. And a lot of that shaped who I am today, right? It shaped uh, my independence and shaped who I uh, was as an individual in terms of an extrovert. I don't even know if I'm really an extrovert to begin with, uh, but I think I had to become one to make friends. Uh, so all of these things, you know, we, we moved a lot because my mom shared with me actually not long ago that it was because oftentimes we had to find a place that had cheaper rent, right? And when we finally sort of settled down, I thought it was like the most glamorous of places um, meanwhile, again, now when I look at it through a different lens, I realize it was not a glamorous neighborhood whatsoever. But anyhow, again, when you're a kid, you see things differently. So when I share these things again, you know, um, I speak to things from my own experiences, but also in terms of how that shaped me in terms of how I was as a teenager and uh, I guess the affirmation that I was looking for from others, uh, wanting to be accepted, wanting to fit in. Uh, I had changed schools every single year throughout my elementary years. So I never had an understanding of uh, like what friendship looked like, what friends or because I was constantly transient. It was moving from one to the next to the next. And there was no such thing as social media. Uh, I don't even think I really knew about telephones really, you know, in terms of to connect with friends at that point. Um, so again, you know, that brought me to a certain point. And now as an adult, uh, you know, I find myself advocating for a group of people that I never really knew, uh, existed, especially when I was a teenager for that matter. And, uh, those would be people with disabilities, right? And oftentimes people don't necessarily, uh, understand why that would be. And, uh, it's because I have a child with a disability. I have a child with an intellectual disability. She was born with Down syndrome. And again, you know, you don't know what you don't know until you have to know it. So um, that experience in and of itself really pushed me to a point where uh, I thought, you know, I need to educate myself about what's what's going on in the world and society about this. And how are we going to do things better for her, but also for others like her? So, I mean, there's a lot in all of what I just shared with you. But again, I share that because oftentimes I say I'm a bit of a chameleon when it comes to uh, social settings, especially I can easily blend in, especially, you know, uh, if I have to look a certain part or act a certain part. But uh, I also find myself really relatable in the sense that if someone shares something with me, I can very easily relate because I feel like I've been there, done that all of the above, uh, you know, to some degree. Right. And so, uh, you know, whether that's good or bad, I don't know always, but that's sort of, you know, where I come at this uh, from my perspective. Yeah, no, I love that. You know, what I connected with most there is when you said um, just about fitting in and being accepted. I felt that so strongly in my teen years. Like, I feel like that was like my driving force, just constantly seeking validation from others. And I've mentioned this many times on the podcast, but it too is what led me down just a path of not fully being the best version of myself, choosing toxic patterns, you know, doing things um, to numb who I was and and what I, you know, the things that I didn't want to experience. So yeah, I just, I appreciate you sharing that because I just feel like it is, it's, it's so important and, you know, just to really know ourselves and it helps to cultivate that confidence deep within. So, um, I really want you to dive into your work now because I am just so, so curious about all of it and everything that you do. So I don't know, where do you want to start? Um, because I know I had you here for, we've kind of talked about, I wanted to have you here, especially because I know that you do presentations about social media. Um, but yeah, wherever you want to start, uh, let's, yeah, let's dive in. So youth diversion is essentially um, my first baby, I like to call it. Uh, so because it, it was the first sort of little project, I guess you can say that I had um before I had children and it's grown just as a child would and I've invested literally every ounce of my being almost into this organization and and I didn't 
mean for it to be that way, right? So when I moved to Windsor, it was a very, uh, again, transient sort of a thing. Uh, I was planning on coming and going. Um, but, you know, short story of all of it is that I went to school for law. So initially my plan, again, because, you know, growing up, I only had two options. It was either be a doctor or be a lawyer, really. Uh, and I wasn't very good with science or math. And so I thought, well, I like to argue law seems to be the thing to do. And that's what I pursued in school. But in, I actually took law as an undergrad. And during that time, I was, um, I guess I was sort of dissuaded from wanting to pursue that further, thinking it would be nine to, you know, all these crazy hours. I wanted a nine to five job. I wanted to be able to have kids and to be able to spend time with them and all this stuff. And I thought, well, maybe becoming a lawyer would be too time consuming and blah, 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 blah. And during that time, I literally fell into working in a medium security prison. And it was just like a random, and at the time I didn't even really know about the criminal justice system, even though I was in my third year of law really, uh, you know, at York. And I was like, oh, you know, what is all of this? And so I started working with sex offenders. And again, you know, um, it opened my eyes to a whole different population of people, but also different career opportunities. And I thought, I, I love this. I was inspired. I had a lot of passion. Uh, but the longer I was there, the more I became um, de desensitized. And I think a little bit jaded in terms of working with adults, because I thought, you know, adults are oftentimes in their ways, very set in their ways, um, difficult to change them. And I wanted to start working with youth. And so lo long story short, I ended up moving to Windsor, actually, with an ex-boyfriend, um, you know, and... I didn't really come willingly, let's just say it was more of a hesitant uh, come here, uh, but <laughs> I had applied to work at Youth Diversion at the time, it was 2009, and I really liked what it was about because it was working with young people who were in conflict with the law, which I too, as a kid, was in conflict with the law, and who were um, essentially... Um, diverted whether it was by the police or the courts in order to right their wrongs and again this was the exact experience I had had but you know many years ago and so I thought oh my god what a great you know way to sort of do something that I'm familiar with or have an you know some experience in and I just really wanted to work with youth and I had already had experience working with youth in different capacities but again wanted to do this here so pursued the position I pursued it very hard uh, and finally got the job. So it was a case manager position working with kids and again, sort of doing that. And at the time, youth diversion was a little bit of an archaic uh, organization. Like we really didn't do much. I mean, all of our files were, you know, filed like back in the day with like these like little tabs, like there was no electronic files. And I was like, what is going on here? And so my predecessor, uh, he's no longer with us, unfortunately, and great man. I owe him a lot uh, in the sense that he believed in me a lot. Uh, his name's Chris Donovan. And uh, he he was on his way to retire. And he basically uh, said to me, listen, uh, I see your drive. I see your passion. He's like, what do you say about, you know, um, potentially becoming the executive director when I retire? He said, are you interested in that? Would you like that? Uh, and what can you do to start preparing for that now? And I thought, oh my God, like, yeah, of course I want that. And I was like, I have all of these ideas. This is all of the things I want to do. And so I started preparing my views, my vision for what I would do with this organization for when the time came and the interview, uh, I had to interview for it. So anyway, long story short, interviews came. Um, you know, it's not like I was just handed the position. There was a process involved. Uh, and I think what ended up winning the board over was essentially that I was incredibly passionate, but I also knew exactly what I wanted and what I thought the organization could do for our community. And at that point, I was invested in, in the sense I was married, um, you know, with my current husband. And uh, I my plan was to stay, right? And I wasn't planning on leaving anymore. And so uh, when I came into the position, I remember my very first day, and I kind of sat at the desk and I was like, well, like what now? You know, I had no idea what to do and where to go. And 
I started having a lot of conversations and, you know, again, you learn, you learn as you go. Uh, but I really started looking at gaps in our community and we started looking at where were we falling short, what was going on. And a lot of things happened uh, very timely in the sense that 2010 came around, you know, that was really the year of when the smartphones became readily available to the masses. And that, of course, uh, I would say impacted our service delivery greatly so and so uh you know again started really working on our partnerships with various community and justice partners and you know lo and behold uh we started growing and we started seeing a need in the community and you know at the time again you know oftentimes um you know uh, not everybody was seeing the same things that we were seeing that were going on or people didn't necessarily want to talk about these things. And, and I was like, you know what, I don't care about what other people are doing, what they're not doing. I know what needs to be done. I see this, I'm hearing this, this is what, uh, I feel we need to do. And we started going along with it. And so, you know, sexting became a very taboo subject and nobody wanted to talk about it. And everybody thought if we talked about it, it was only going to make kids do it more. And, uh, Windsor police at some point reached out to us and said, listen, we're getting this influx of sexting referrals. You need to do something about this because we don't want to charge these kids as sex offenders because legislation had not caught up with the times. And just, you know, so everybody knows legislation still has not caught up with the times in 2023. So we designed this program. And again, it was very like makeshift in the sense of like, there was nothing available. There was no research, no data, no nothing to go off of. And we basically said like, you know, don't do it. It's bad, uh, bad repercussions. You know, it's illegal. Just, just say no to sexting type thing. Like that was sort of the end all be all goal. And as we started really unveiling it and uh, working with kids and seeing more what was going on, you know, we realized, okay, this is really not the message that we need to be sending anymore. And we realized that there was a lot more to it than just that. And again, you know, we started unwrapping all of the different layers of what is contributing to this and why are kids doing this and how are we going to get them to understand the repercussions of their actions? Because again, when I talk to kids or when I think about kids, I always think of myself and I think of myself as like the 14, 15, 16 year old me, which is now the current 11, 12 year old, I would say. And I think to myself, what would have resonated with me? Because I feel that uh, I was a kid that thought they knew better. I liked pushing boundaries. I liked to think that I knew more than everybody else. Right. And I also wanted to see what I could get away with. And um, uh, thank God always, I always say thank you that I didn't have a cell phone when I was a kid and I didn't have social media because I feel it would have been that much more disastrous to my overall everything. Uh, but I also get that there's a lot of pressure that kids are under, to, you know, in today's day and age. And I understand that us just simply saying, you know, don't do that isn't going to go a very long way. And so, you know, lo and behold, the work that we do now is really, so before when I first started, we were only working with kids that were referred to us by the police and the courts, 12 to 17, that were, you know, falling under the Youth Criminal Justice Act. Uh, and they were all being referred because they had already done something. And now uh, in 2024, we're working with kids six to 26. And so we have expanded our service delivery greatly, um, but also because of the need for it, right? And actually, we've just recently partnered last year with a couple of different community organizations uh, to address behavior in kids as young as three and four, again, because of their exposure to social media. But because we know we can't work with the little ones, we have to work with their parents, right? And so, Again, the service delivery has changed drastically because now we accept referrals from educators, from parents, from community partners, from anybody, really. And we provide programs for kids as young as six, but also up into 26. And the reason for the 26-year-olds is because, well, the 18 to 26 is because, again, we started seeing an influx of referrals for kids and young people with intellectual disabilities who were finding themselves falling victim to whether it was romance scams, sextortion, but also things like child pornography, whether they were downloading it, um, viewing it, uh, engaging in a dialogue with somebody, not necessarily uh, of their own accord, like they sometimes were being um, 
caught up in something that they didn't necessarily understand. And again, you know, uh, my passion oftentimes comes from personal experiences, um, but also personal knowledge of things that are going on. And also, you know, especially in the intellectual disability world, but also when it comes to children, you know, as a mother, I started looking at all of the things that we were going, that were happening. And I said to staff at the time, this is now going back, you know, to 2019, give or take. And I was like, we can't just be working with the kids anymore, guys. Like we need to, we need to hit the parents. Right. And I had a kid, like, I mean, my staff were kids themselves. Basically they were in their early twenties. And I was like, you know what? No offense to you, but like, no one's going to take you guys seriously. Like at the end of the day, as a parent, I need someone who has some credibility. And so I thought, well, why don't we do some presentations for parents and maybe help elevate their awareness so that they can, you know, do the work at home. And I thought, well, let me volunteer to do this because I thought I had a little bit more credibility because I was older than my staff. And at that point, I already had a couple kids and I thought this is going to, you know, probably work better. And at that time, too, I also had some personal stories of my own children, you know, engaging in social media and that sort of a thing. And so lo and behold, here we are in present day. Uh, you know, my kids are seven, nine and eleven. Um but uh, again, I'm still the oldest out of all my staff. So I carry with me a little bit of you know, maturity, I guess. Uh, but also, you know, I come at it from a parental perspective when I speak to parents. And I say, you know, oftentimes I find myself wearing all these hats because it's not necessarily my role as EED to speak to parents and do presentations. But I'm driven to do it because I feel that parents don't know what they don't know and they don't oftentimes want to know because we all think that our kids won't fall into some of these traps online or they won't fall victim to these things um or that maybe you know our parenting is so good that our kids aren't at risk right uh, and I hate to say it but you know at the end of the day I say I'm not naive to the fact that my kids will fall victim to these things uh, just as I fell victim to certain things when I was a kid, right? Again, my parents were good parents, regardless of whether or not they were together or when they were divorced. Um, you know, I had great parents. Uh, they did their best. They were attentive. They loved me. They provided me with support. But, you know, I still broke the law. I still got suspended. I still did drugs. I still did all the stuff I shouldn't have done. Um, and here we are, right? So that's why I say, I don't care who you are and how good your parenting is. Your kid, if they're online, is at risk for a number of different things, right? And I want parents to understand that. And I want parents to understand that sexting is really no longer the issue anymore anyway. And, you know, as of the last couple of years, we really started focusing our efforts on pornography and kids' exposure to pornography. And again, taboo, not everybody wants to talk about it. And, you know, at one point people were calling me, um, you know, like the prude or like the porn lady. And I was like, Okay, whatever, you know, like, call me what you want. I don't even care because at the end of the day, porn and sex are not the same. And, you know, you can enjoy porn uh, or sorry, enjoy sex and believe in um, having a healthy sexual life versus not supporting pornography. And the reason I don't support pornography is because pornography is not what some people think it is, right? Like if you're not exposed to what's readily available online, then you don't know what it actually is, what I'm talking about and what our kids are exposed to, which is degrading, it's despicable and it is disgusting. And your kids are using it for sex ed, right? And that's what we're seeing at Diversion because the kids that were being referred to us before um, for maybe sending a nude are now being referred to us for sexual assault or, you know, issues around consent um, and or engaging in creating, distributing child pornography and so on and so forth. And so our referrals have changed drastically. Uh, and because of that, our service delivery has changed drastically. And I'm a firm believer in, you know, growing with the times and, and changing with the times. And here we are. So we do quite a bit. And, you know, again, we never set out to focus as an organization on social media. And yet um, it has become that way because when we boil down the true reasons 
why the kids are being referred to us, whether it's for mischief, you know, whether it is for an assault, uh, whether it is for shoplifting or whatever. Okay. When we boil down why they're actually with us, the majority of the time is self-esteem. The majority of the time is confidence, self-confidence, um, peer pressure, and why? Social media. And that is always the direct result. So it's like, we need to understand what the driving force behind all of these things are in order for us to start really having genuine conversations, right? And that's why um, a lot of the work that we do now really is so heavily focused on the internet. That part that you just said right there, I was like, oh, yes, it's the conversations and it's the education. So, I mean, before even, you know, meeting you tonight and having this conversation, I mean, you did a presentation at my school, which I unfortunately wasn't able to be a part of, um, but we had some incredible feedback. And I also told you that I have a best friend. You did a presentation at her workplace and she's the one who actually connected us and gave me your information because she was just, I mean, although she was a little bit, I don't even know what to say. Like her mind was a bit blown by the presentation, quite honestly, because it's again, yeah, you're right. It's not something that too many people are willing to talk about, but I often feel that it's those conversations that people aren't willing to have that are the most important and that need to be had. Um, and yeah, just thinking back to, to myself as a teen and even, even younger than that, when you said about, you know, you know, things are going to happen regardless of the parenting and regardless regardless of the parents you have. I mean, we only know um, what we know, right? And I'm sitting here saying like, me too. I can check some of those boxes mm -hmm. as well. You know, did that, did that, wish I hadn't. Um, yeah, the been there, done that. That's what really gets me. And I feel like that's why I'm so passionate about the work that I do because although I'm sure there are still going to be moments and challenges, even in my own children's lives and in many of the lives of, you know, the youth in our community, it's just, I feel like if we have more of these conversations and we educate them, we can hopefully prevent a lot more of, of those situations from happening. Right. So um, I'm just curious if you could dive in a little deeper to like maybe some of the actual topics of the presentations that you that you deliver or just even educate right now the parents and the teens that are listening um, on some of the things that they maybe need to be aware of and to look out for. Sure. Yeah. So the presentation that I deliver, yes, oftentimes parents leave and they're a little terrified, um, you know, <laughs> and I always say that. I don't recommend that kids come to the presentation because I do show a little, some graphic uh, slides and that sort of a thing. However, with that being said, these are things that I show that are very easily accessible. I, I don't necessarily go looking for the content. It just comes to me and I pretend to be, you know, a 14 year old kid online or whatever. And this is the stuff that comes to me. So we have had some kids that have been a part of the uh, presentation in the past where parents say, yeah, I'm okay with them seeing whatever they're going to see. And I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, it's the parents who are more shocked than the kid ever has been in any presentation uh, where they're like, yeah, like, you know, there's a desensitization piece. And oftentimes I don't think that parents understand how desensitized we are to the things we're even looking at and also how desensitized our kids are that much more so from what they're looking at. And then how all of that plays into what we're doing and how we're interacting with one another. Right. And so oftentimes what I do is I start off my presentation by really just sort of, you know, painting a picture for parents to understand, you know, what childhood was for us is not what childhood is for kids today. And yes, we understand that to some capacity. Uh, maybe I, I hope so anyway, but parents need to understand that when we look at Facebook, for example, you know, through our lens, that is not the lens that our kids have when they look at social media, when they look at their devices, right? And so I say to parents, the lens that you have and the way in which you view social media or the internet or whatever is not how your kids are looking at it. So you need to understand that first and foremost and understand what kids actually view it as, which is their lifeline. It's their lifeline to the world, which means that Every kid will lie to you through their teeth to avoid getting caught doing anything online, okay, because they don't want to lose their lifeline, whether it's their iPad, their phone, whatever device they're on, okay, they don't want to tell you something that they think is going to get them in trouble because 
that is their connection, right? Their social connection, which of course we know biologically speaking, I mean, it's natural for kids at some point to start pulling away from their family, from their parents and more so towards their friends, right? And finding affirmation and validation through those avenues. The difference here is that, you know, before when you and I were growing up, I, and I'm saying you and I, because I'm hoping maybe we're along the same age line here, but yeah, you know, when yeah. I was growing up, I had only the kids to compare to that were in my school, maybe in another school. I mean, my neighborhood at the end of the day, it was, you know, who I saw. And yes, we can always argue, oh, well, we've always had models and actresses and so on and so forth. And, but, you know, it's different looking at a Cosmo as I'm standing in line at the superstore, you know, and it's different buying a magazine and flipping through the pages and understanding like that's their job to look this way. And, understanding again it's once in a blue moon i'm going to look at this magazine versus having perfection constantly in your face but not only perfection also unattainable and unrealistic lifestyles right and you know even for myself as a very i would say confident independent woman who's quite happy in my life and where we are and what we've done for ourselves my husband and i you know I'm happy with where I am. And yet I find myself falling into a trap where I'm scrolling endlessly, you know, and I'm thinking, how the hell is this person, you know, going on another vacation or buying another house, you know, buying this type of a car. Meanwhile, I'm working crazy hours, you know, seven days a week, this, that, the other. Uh, and I'm thinking, how are they so in love when, you know, the, the sound of my husband chewing makes me want to divorce him sometimes, you know? And I think, how how is this happening? And so again, I say that because if I'm able to feel this way, then what is the 11, 12, 13, 14 year old feeling when they're looking at the filtered images? I mean, AI has changed the ball game entirely, right? Um, but also when we look at all of these unrealistic and unattainable lifestyles, how am I going to get that and be able to appear the same way to get the affirmation and validation that I strongly need as a teenager, okay? How am I gonna get that? What am I gonna do to get there? And uh, unfortunately, this is why we see a lot of the things that we're seeing, right? Whether it is um, the you know risk-taking behaviors through the TikTok challenges to gain the clout online, to gain financial gain, whatever they think that they're gonna get, or, you know, selling our bodies online, body parts online, you know, doing whatever, um, you know, again, there, there's just so many things that are happening. And, and I share that with parents, because again, I need them to understand that it's a different playing field, right? It's a different playing field than what we were exposed to and what they're exposed to and how those pressures are impacting our kids, whether we want to admit it or not. And then, you know, I start kind of getting into some of the, the pressures of, you know, again, eating disorders, right? And looking a certain way, especially for females, but also for males. I mean, boys more than ever before have eating disorders, right? But also more than ever before, they're using steroids because they, at younger ages, younger and younger ages, we have teenage boys in high school that are using steroids to look a certain way. Because again, what do they see online, right? Um, and so, and of course they're easily able to get the stuff because they just go to discord or wherever Snapchat and it's easily found. Right. So, um, that's one thing we talk about. We also talk about, um, you know, predators of course, but we talk about child sexual abuse material. So CSA M and I talk about that in a different way in the sense of talking about it, that it's oftentimes self-generated, which means, yeah, it's the sexting and stuff, you know, but it's also the people that are online that are luring our kids, that are grooming our kids, whether it's through video games, whether it is through social media. Um, and it's not just girls, it's boys too. And oftentimes boys are actually the most targeted, uh, especially when it comes to financial scams, right? And that's where we see sextortion, um, you know, and it's readily happening on a regular basis. And I don't think people understand how much it's happening and the shame and the guilt and the embarrassment that lies behind it, which is why oftentimes, especially boys won't come forward with it uh, until it's too late, unfortunately. But, you know, we talk about that quite a bit. Uh, we talk about exposure to pornography, right? And oftentimes parents think, well, my little son or my little girl, you know, won't go looking for it. And I say, like, it doesn't even have to come 
you know, they don't have to go looking for it. It can come to them, right? And it oftentimes does come to them through various means. Um, you know, and the desensitization piece here is important because parents oftentimes say, well, you know, my kid would never do that. Or my kid would never send a nude of themselves to just some random stranger. And I say, well, okay, well, let me challenge you. Okay. Because what you and I were exposed to when it comes to sexually explicit material is very different from what we're exposed to today. And what you and I are exposed to today, and I say we're desensitized because when I see a music video, I oftentimes forget how sexual it is, right? I mean, you can just look at any, almost any video today that would be considered hardcore pornography if it was 40, 50 years ago, maybe even less than that. Okay. So when we look at what was available before versus what's available today, not only in the lyrics, but the content itself and what they're wearing and how they're behaving and the thrusting and so on and so forth, not to mention other things, right? Um, the sexual innuendos are there and our kids are looking at it from a very young age. So why are our little girls twerking and shaking their bums and doing things that like I never had done? at, you know, seven, eight, nine years old? Well, because it's normalized, right? So when we talk about pornography, again, when kids stumble upon sexual content, oftentimes to them, it's like, well, it's not a big deal. Like they're already exposed to naked bodies everywhere, whether it is a billboard, whether it is a music video, whether it is a TikTok, okay? There's nakedness literally everywhere. So when someone says to them, oh, you know, I really want to see you, um, you know, without your shirt on. Well, to them, it's really not a big deal, especially if they're looking to gain attention, right? So, I mean, again, kids are desperate for attention. And this is a huge piece of my conversation as well with parents, because it's not the parents' attention that they're seeking, right? It's the attention of the world, the World Wide Web is what I say, really, um, because it is that affirmation and that validation that speaks to them that will give them sort of that confidence, the self-esteem that they're so badly craving right? And they're looking for it externally. And it's not because you're not doing a good job as a parent. It's simply because they're at an age where they don't care about what you have to say. Because of course, oh, you're my mom. Of course, you're going to tell me I'm pretty and so on and so forth. It goes a lot further when I have some random stranger slide into my DMs and say, hey, you're special. I like your page. You're, you know, uh, I love your content or you're so pretty. You're different than the others. Yeah, that's going to hit a lot different. And guess what? It What it's sending in my brain, my children's brains, which they never understand, is there's a huge dopamine hit, right? That brain is now suddenly hit with all those endorphins, those feel-good hormones. And they're like, ding, 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 ding. It's literally crack cocaine to their brains. And they want it. So when parents say, oh, no, 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 not my Johnny or not my little whatever Susie, I say, yeah, it is. It's everybody's Johnny. It's everybody's Susie because every kid, when they get a hit of that crack cocaine from the internet world, they want it to continue because it feels so good when they're like, wow, I've just been noticed in this worldwide web of millions, okay, millions of people who are filtered or not, or who are perceived to be filtered or not, but there, there's Per, a world of perfection. And yet here they found me and they messaged me and they told me I'm special. I'm smart. I'm different. And I want that to continue. So yeah, I'm going to do what needs to be done in order to have that again. And the people that are sending those messages are oftentimes very skilled. They're very manipulative. They know what to say. And this is why it's so important to talk to our kids about digital footprint, which again, I talk to the parents about very much so, because again, parents don't understand that. And they're like, oh, I'm just posting a picture of my child. It's not a big deal. Or, you know, let's talk about where they like, they'll, they'll say where their kids go to school or where they live. And I'm like, Oh, no. And so again, if parents are doing this, kids are doing this, and we're not telling our kids why this is an issue. And not only is it an issue because of predators, but now because of AI, it's become an issue because of peers. I mean, peers are using this content to bully their, uh, their other peers, right? Again, one day you're cool, one day you're not. I, again, been there. I've done it as a kid myself, where, you know, 
um, you do stupid things to other people, but now you have the internet at your disposal where you can take a picture, manipulate it. You can take a text message, manipulate it however you want. Use that now to shame the other person, to embarrass the other person. Do you not think that they're doing that to each other? Yes, they are. I see it daily. And what are they using? They're using grandma's pictures of you know their grandkids from a birthday party. They're using the pictures that you've posted posted uh, from your kid at the pool or the beach. And it's like, I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm not saying this to make anybody feel that they're not doing a good job parenting because I'm guilty of all of these things myself. My children have a digital footprint because I've, uh, from before they were even born, you know, from when they were in my uterus for the love of God, right? Like, I mean, you know, the, the ultrasound pictures, oh, look who's coming, can't wait, blah, 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 whatever. Yeah, I'm guilty of that too. But I didn't know what I know now. We had no way to to know what we know now. And now that we know, we're now naive and oblivious if we don't wake up and start using that information to better ourselves. And I've had these conversations with my kids where I've said to them, I'm sorry, I made a mistake. As your parent, it's my job to keep you safe. And I've been irresponsible. Like I allowed you to go on YouTube when you clearly were not able to mature enough to and now I have to take it away from you and that sucked like it sucked for me as a parent it sucked for my child you know um but again like these are things that I've been through as a mother as a parent even though this is my profession and that's why I say to parents all the time like I'm not coming at this from a judgy perspective I'm coming at this to educate you to help you understand what we're actually up against we're not going to win, just so you know, but how do we build our kids to be resilient to the things that they're going to see because they will see it? And how are we going to help them, you know, in overcoming some of these things that they're going to, uh, and you know, undoubtedly come into contact with. And so uh, that is how I look at it. I try to use my own family as an example whenever possible. Um, but also I share stories from work because again, I mean, the stories are plentiful, uh, unfortunately, you know, and I don't say that lightly, you know, again, because my heart breaks always for the families that we work with and the children and the youth that we work with. Um, but again, I think that there's a way around it and the way around it is to have these really necessary conversations. And because we are so desensitized, some of that means I have to be a little graphic. I have to be a little bit pushy uh, and I have to be strong in my message because otherwise, you know, it's like, oh, whatever, you know, moving on. Right. Well, I'll tell you what, Joanna, I'm sitting here and I'm just like, I'm all ears. I feel just, you can really sense your passion though, honestly. And it's just, it's so much about awareness. I feel like that is the first step for so many, right? For so many different avenues in our life, but especially in terms of, of this. Yeah, it's just, it's bringing that awareness. And sometimes I do feel like we do, we just kind of fall into like this zombie-like mode of just going, going through our days and yeah, not really truly understanding, you know, what's really happening beneath the surface. So I'm looking at the time and I'm like, oh my gosh, I, I should have known. Like, I just, I knew actually, I feel like I did have a deep, like knowing that this conversation needed to be like in four different parts because there's so much more, um, that we can dive into. So I'm actually going to ask you right now, if you'd like to come back, because I feel like a, a comeback episode would be those things that we can do to help, um, teens and youth, ch children, everybody, parents too, in our community, just to be more resilient when it comes to, when it comes to these conversations and having them with their children. But, um, I also want the parents to be able to reach out to you. So if you wouldn't mind, it would be so incredible if you would just share where people can find you. Um, we'll kind of let this resonate and simmer for now. And then, like I said, I would love, love, love to have you back to continue the conversation. So where everybody can find you, please. Yes. So, I mean, I'd love to come back for, first and foremost. Uh, and I apologize. I'm a, I'm a talker for sure. So that goes hand in hand with my lengthy conversations oftentimes. Uh, but also there's so much to be said here, right? And so we 100%. definitely um, do a lot of these talks with our youth. I mean, we provide programs. So if any parents are interested in their child participating in a program and really the programs are meant to be educational, right? So even if they've never uh, 
um, engaged in anything or nothing's happened to them, quote unquote, that's still okay. They can still participate in the program and learn about, you know, all the things that they need to learn about. Sometimes that the things that you don't know, you need to learn about. Uh, but we also do parent presentations. And I always say like, even if your kid doesn't go to the school, you can still come to the parent, the parent presentation, um, because no one will know. Um, but you know, so the, the, it, for, yeah, no one knows. Like, I mean, no one knows. But anyway, so the information that uh, everyone can find is readily available. As much as I talk badly about social media, it's readily available on social media. We are on Twitter. All you have to do is find us, you know, uh, Youth Diversion will pop up. Um, we're also on Instagram. Uh, Facebook. I also have my own Facebook, Joanna Conrad, where I post constant information about all of the above, but I also provide information on upcoming seminars that I do for parents. Um, you know, parents, if they're interested in providing or submitting a referral for their child or their young person, they can do that online through our website. It's ecyouthdiversion.ca. Again, Google Youth Diversion Windsor. It'll pop right up. Uh, so we're on all of the platforms. Uh, I we're even on TikTok, even though I like I can't even be bothered with TikTok because that's just like a whole other thing. Uh, where I'm like, this is too much work. I don't have the time for this. Uh, but we are on there as well. Uh, but you know, we're literally on every platform, and the intent is to try to get as many people as possible to help. You know, send the message to everybody about all of the work that we do. It's not just social media related, but of course, very heavily in that regard. And anytime, you know, I say our job is to know. Like our job is to know all of the things, and so we try to give information on the things that are happening before you might even know or before your kid might even know even though your kid for sure probably already knows um and again it's just providing ways for you as a parent and even kids to help understand like okay this is happening and what am I going to do about this and and how do I navigate this right uh so yes by all means google us you'll find us on all of the above um and you know worst case scenario feel free to call we do still take phone calls even though you know you can always text as well but uh our phone number is 519-253-3340 um and yes you know by all means feel free to reach out and even just if you have a question about you know where, what can i do i have this scenario what should i do we work very closely with our community partners as well so uh we can either you know help support or even refer to uh someone else oh i love that i appreciate you sharing that i feel like that piece right there is so important like just knowing that you have somewhere that you can connect with somebody just to even ask a question um, if you're not certain on how to approach a certain situation, right? Um, sometimes yeah. just, you know, being able to have that conversation, that open conversation without fear of judgment is, I, I feel that that's huge. And I also believe that asking for help is such a strength. So I really appreciate that you brought that up. I'm going to make sure to put all of the links, like everything you said into the show notes. So everybody's able to access it easily. And I just want to thank you so, so much. I'm I'm like apologizing because of the time, like the time went by fast. So I'm apologizing on behalf of the time. Um, but yeah, we will continue the conversation. And I'm just, I'm so looking forward to having you back. And I'm so grateful for you. Thank you so much for sharing all of your knowledge tonight on the podcast. Thank you so much for having me. I, it's been a pleasure. Loved it. And looking forward to talking to you more. Thank you so much for showing up today and for taking the time to listen to another episode. If any part of this episode resonated with you, I would greatly appreciate if you would share it with somebody else who may need to hear it too. Please don't forget to be brave, to trust yourself, and when you're ready, take action. Thank you.